Hi, Rebecca. It's Beatrice. Hi, Beatrice. It's Rebecca. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I just wish it wasn't so dark, but otherwise I'm I fine. know. Yeah. It's it's so dark for me. Mm. It seems like two in the afternoon. It's just too dark. Yeah. It's strange. I know. Mm. I don't... Yeah. I do not understand what is going on. It seems earlier and earlier than ever. Yeah. 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 But otherwise, things are good. What about you? I'm all right. I have code on my lap today. Oh. Because, as you know, he gets jealous when I'm on the phone. And last yeah. week, he felt, because I'd shut the door, he felt that that was a rude thing to have done. So I'm hoping he's not going to start barking his head off every five <laughs> minutes if there are motorbikes or things. So, you know. Okay. Be prepared. I'm Be prepared. prepared. I'm prepared for his uh, contributions as well. Yes, he may wish to tell you something yeah. himself. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but what have you been up to this week? Well, yesterday I went to the exhibition, um, you know, at the Serpentine. Um, oh, I so want to see uh, that. Yeah, I, I, I mean, it's on until the 6th of January, so I really hope right. you can go. Yes, um, I will definitely go, because I break up from next week's my last teaching week. So after that, I will go. And I, I would, if you can, I would probably go at the weekend, because Lucy... And Becca, the people behind the exhibition, they, I understand they are there usually at the weekends um, oh, in, wow. in their shop because part of the exhibition is a, is a shop. Oh, um, how interesting. So I was really lucky because I tagged along with um, Amy de la Haye and her students. So mm, that's nice. we got a fantastic, really detailed tour of, of the exhibition. And... Um, that was really, really brilliant because I think there were a lot of things that I, I wouldn't have got because it was interesting because at some point we talked about also about having captions and labels and how you deal with that kind of stuff because it's obviously it's the MA curation course um, of Amy's. And um, I, I don't think there was actually that much in terms of captions. So it was really, really great to get this introduction. So as you know, it's called um, Atelier EB. Yes. And E is for Edinburgh and B is for Brussels. Because, ah. Yeah, Lucy Mackenzie is now based in Brussels and Becca Lips, Lips come in Edinburgh. And right. then the exhibition is called Passerby because it is to do with people who are interested in fashion don't just consume, consume it by buying it or looking at it in magazines or online, but also by looking at shop windows. How lovely. Yeah, so the favourite thing for me in the show, there is a shop window, or rather, yeah, sort of the outside of a shop. It's just a, f a fake, you can't actually go in. Mm. Um, and in the middle there is a door, and then on either side there is the window. And it's it's done how they used to be done in the olden days. So you didn't necessarily have things on mannequins, but you have them hung up on strings and oh I you know, love oh, that. I love that too I just I find it so interesting and I haven't seen it for a while I think the last time no. I saw it somewhere might have been in Frinton I think there was a that seems there. right yeah that seems about right um so they based theirs on on a shop in Brussels I think uh, that only recently clo closed down it was called something with chic um, but I can't remember what. That's good too. And they even had some of the props 
used in the shops so they have these little numbers for um the price and that came from oh, that actual shop and it is their clothing from their um design the atelier eb collection oh right yeah the last one is called jasper wear and so it's their clothes and they they work with three and they kept calling them window trimmers it's, oh that's nice too yeah have you heard that before i, heard I that. have oh, i hadn't i i didn't know what i thought what people were called that do window well i think it's more usual to call them window dressers ah. but window trimmers is I don't know. It sounds Christmassy somehow. I like it. Yeah, I really liked it. So they worked with three um, people who, who you know, used to not know how to do this kind of display. So I absolutely, absolutely loved that. And generally, what they explained was that the ex it started off the idea for the exhibition from the problem of presenting clothes because they don't really like mannequins or they do like mannequins but they feel they don't work for them or for their clothes so that's static mannequins but also in a way people mannequins and so they and they they said that they felt mannequins there were sort of problems with mannequins one being that they always have to be pristine because otherwise they, they can easily look creepy and then one thing lucy brought up a few times was that Often in history, in history of art, male um, artists have used female mannequins and did something to them. And most famous, famously, the 1938 Surrealism exhibition in London. Oh, yes. So th- there was that. And so the exhibition is about a lot about mannequins and how they developed, particularly between the wars and how they were used and the people involved in making the mannequins, designing them in window dressing. So one one theme is also bringing out the people that, that are often forgotten or have maybe partly yes. been forgotten. So that was sort of one strand as well. And I I absolutely loved it. I think you, you, you will really, really like it. Oh, it sounds wonderful. Because they've done... So part of it is it's like a museum exhibition, but they kept saying we're not curators, we're not historians, and we want to make that very clear. But it is like a museum exhibition, and they've gathered together so much material about mannequins in the world fairs, or they have these beautiful old catalogues um, by a company in Paris that I always thought was called Siegel, but apparently it's called Siegel. Oh, of course. Yeah, you famous. Sh- yes. Yeah. I suppose we've both thought German pronunciation yeah. instead of French. Exactly, yeah. Yes. So that there's this beautiful catalogue. Um, so they have these tabletop vitrines where they have lots of photographs and catalogues and brochures and things like that. And the other thing I, I really loved is how they dealt with um, not being able to get certain loans. So Lucy... Uh who is an artist, she really wanted this um, picture by someone called uh, George Vernon Meredith Frampton, which is at Tate, and mm. and they couldn't lend it, so she made a replica, and it's this amazing replica, and she made it very obvious that it's a replica, because she also painted the frame, so it's not in an actual which frame. Which one is it? The one, the one where she's in the pale pink dress? Or? No, it's one, um, it involves, it's a still life, yeah. And, it, uh. and it involves a lay, the head of a lay figure. 
Oh, lovely. And they had a very similar lay figure um, head nearby in a in a in a case. So lay figures also came in um, as 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 part of that. And there was also there there was also a vitrine about displaying ethnographic dress. And there was yes. a famous person in Paris at the Museum of Mankind who'd hated mannequins, so they developed some other way of, of showing things. They had these really interesting two mannequins. They were wooden from a Tyrolean museum of folk dress. And, you know, at each display, there, were, there was so much thought behind it and it led you to two, so many other places. So I spent ages yesterday afternoon looking up lots of references and so wow. it's sort of so multi-layered it's it's really amazing and there's God, there's fantastic. two things i think you would particularly like one i took mm. i took a photo of one of them but it didn't come out really well otherwise i would have sent it to you already so you probably know this already there was this window again window trimmer or window mm. designer and he was called gene moore and he worked for bergdorf and goodman Right. Bonwit Teller and they had particularly slides of his work for Tiffany's. And there's oh, wow. there's one you'll love. You have to like it's quite a lot of slides, you have to wait quite a long time for it to loop. But there's yes. one which is just a nose, so like a sculpted nose, and it sniffs a little flower brooch. And you know oh, how we talked God. about senses last time? It was yes. just so perfect. Uh, and they're all sometimes they're a bit surreal sometimes they're like a aquarium and they're absolutely amazing and they, they i can send you the link a lot of them are on the smithsonian website they must have his archive and what How i loved fabulous. was yeah it's really fabulous what i loved was that they the slides are the size of a tiffany window so you know oh. they recreated a tiffany window and then you 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 sort of see the slides so that was beautiful. Yeah, that was one I really, really liked, and I think you love. Yeah. And then, what was the other one? I mean, there's lots. Oh yeah, the other thing that I really I thought was interesting, they had these. They wanted these two figures from Glasgow museums. They were made by a Japanese um, figure maker, and they're life size apparently. And apparently, the consul, Japanese consul, went to Glasgow and saw how Japanese dress was exhibited in around 1900 um, oh, wow. or, or not I think it was during the first world war and they didn't like it so they had this person oh. called Yasumoto from Japan a famous person there apparently making these two figures a man and a woman in Japanese dress and they are apparently life-size and they look absolutely amazing yeah. but they couldn't have them so they just have really high res films of them on a turntable right. and they just sort of slowly turn and I thought that was for me that was really interesting this sort of freedom it's of fascinating. yeah freedom of if you don't get something you know this is there's another way of dealing that's that's really lovely that mm. that's that, that you don't just sort of think oh well I can't have that but you think how can I represent it in a way that's really evocative yeah mm. so that was nice and also yeah, then they have an actual shop in there, but it's only open at the weekend where you can mm. try on um, their collection. And they said everything in the show inspired the collection. And then you can buy it buy it there as well. And they're there wow. as the sales assistant, as it were, 
um, at the oh, weekend. Oh, it sounds so good. I just can't wait. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really, really great. And there's so many things to look up. Uh, the, the other thing I think you love, but again, you, you might know about it already, so I found it again. It's someone called Lynn Hirschman Leeson, and she does, um, she's an artist, and she spent years trying to persuade Bonwit Teller to do something for their 25 windows. And in 1976, she, she did all their window displays. And wow. one of them, a mannequin actually smashes through the window. So the hand comes out. It's fantastic. That's too much. Yeah. I can't even imagine how that is a thing that can really happen. Yeah, it's, it's really, really great. Again, I can send you a link that's on, online. And then the other thing that I love, there is a mannequin. And I cannot recall where I've seen it before, but I'm, I'm sure you've seen it as well. It's a mannequin from the 20s by someone called Rudolf Belling. And mm. it's silver and it's quite yes. art deco. Yes. It doesn't have legs. It just have a, yeah, it's just, just this beautiful form. Mm. And they have actually, they have one there and I just couldn't get, I just couldn't believe oh, it. Oh, wow. Mm. I think I've only ever seen pictures. Well, I know I've only ever seen pictures. Yeah, I've only ever seen pictures. I didn't know they existed still. And it's amazing that they do because no. I think they're paper mache. It's, wow, it's, God, that is amazing. And it's from a co collection in Germany. Um, and I looked it up. It's someone called Wolfgang Knapp. And he seems to have a whole... He has a ma mannequin museum. And he Oh, seems, my goodness. Why haven't we been there? I know. There? I know. We, we, How have we lived this long and not gone there? Yeah. I'm not so much... I'm, I didn't quite um, get to the bottom of whether it, whether it's somewhere you can actually go or whether it's just online. I mean, surely if we just show up at the door... Yeah. Yeah, surely. Yeah, yeah. So that's or that's they'll a plan. call the police. That's one a plan. Of, one <laughs> yeah, that could also happen. <laughs> one way or the other. So wow. there is there is all that, and then there's also a section which is really nice where they asked other artists to um, come up with something how to display their clothes, their you know collection, oh. not their their own clothes. So there's sort of different interpretations. But there was just so many interesting themes and I love that part of their mission was also to get people into the serpentine you wouldn't normally see there. Yes. This unearthing of, um, a lot of the time it was sort of women's uh, contribution to this whole story that they unearthed. For instance, there's this other person that I knew as a doll maker, Kete Kruse. It's oh, so quite yeah. a famous doll maker in Germany, but apparently yes. in the 20s. They also made mannequins, which I didn't know at all. It's just, it's just really, really. It does rich. sound so rich. It mm. sounds amazing. And they have on I, on the got... Serpentine website, they have a gallery guide where they have all the people that they mention as a little description, and the world fairs, which play quite a big part. They have mm. a description, and it's it's brilliant. I mean, I, I don't think it has wow. page numbers, but it's it's massive. Um, that alone wow. is is fantastic to have. So yes, I fabulous. Yeah, yeah, I I really want to go again because um, I well maybe we can go go. Yeah, no, that, that would be really fun. Yeah, no, that would be really fun. That would be really good. Yeah, let's I try just, and do that. I think window displays are just endlessly fascinating, and they're so. They're so central to your understanding of fashion and mm. your exposure to fashion 
in a day-to-day way and yet they hardly they're hardly written about they mainly get written about i think it's like 19th century Ooh, it suddenly happened that there were window displays that were much more enticing or you get like you sometimes get things about christmas windows but there's so much more to say yeah the um collaborative phd student we had beth and by she mm. one of her chapters were about window displays after the war and that oh, was that was really interesting because out of necessity um some of the people de- developed quite a surrealist style, partly because they only had broken mannequins. So oh my goodness. They had to That's work. so funny. Yeah, they had to work with fragments, so they had, you know, a, an arm just hanging, pointing at something and things like that. That's so interesting, because there's that famous photograph, isn't there, during the Blitz of a mannequin, like John yeah, Lewis. John Lewis. Saw on on mm. Oxford Circus yeah. was blown up, and mm. there's the mannequin lying in the road, and it's so kind of horrifying yes because you never obviously there's never photographs of actual bodies but seeing the mannequin is terrible that Mm. there's this thing yeah i'd never thought about it that it's like a stand-in for a yeah an actual body because in you remember the paper i did for you on fashion Mm. ruins because um cecil beaton had seen a mannequin head from a beauty store like from a a beauty store or hairdressers uh, with all these sort of blonde, blonde curls, and he'd seen it on a bombsite and he wanted to photograph it. And when he came back, he couldn't find it. So the workman helped him find this head. And he and at first the workmen were really helpful. And then some passers-by started saying, you shouldn't be doing that. That's really horrible. And, and then a policeman came up and it became this whole other thing. Because initially, and the photograph is really both beautiful and horrifying because the head is upside down on just bombed debris debris mm. with all of this very glamorous you know makeup and hair and it's it's really interesting because it is as though the people walking by it's as though it, it's a person's head almost because it's you know it kind of represents a body so there's something kind of horrible to them about him photographing yeah but no, it's it's such an interesting subject, and the world's fairs amazing, aren't they? Because is is it is it Lanvin that there's like a a sort of huge mannequin at the is it the nineteen hundred? Yeah, um, Lucy actually mentioned that she said that she felt Lanvin totally nailed mannequins. Yes, and it was in one of the world fairs, but I don't know which. Ah, uh, I think this. He had says, I think it's about nineteen hundred. Um, hold on. Is that possible? Because there's also a Lanvin angel, which is just the most beautiful thing ever. Oh, I can't find it and I can't remember. But she definitely mentioned Lanvin. Um, I'm trying to look at this amazing. Ah, mm. uh, 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 maybe twenty five. I think several times. She... No, I think I think Lanvin. There's like a famous one where she represents Paris and fashion. Hmm. I'm saying Lanvin. I hope I mean Lanvin. And then there's the the one that gets that comes to be known as this sort of Art Deco one in twenty five, where they have um, a lot of mannequins, and I think they maybe have some of the silver ones. Yes, it does say here. Yeah, metallic skinned abstracted mannequins by Siegel. 
Just the description is enough. Really. Yeah, it's it's beautifully written. The um this this um booklet for, for want of a oh, better word. I must word. download it. And then they talk about uh thirty five Brussels Fair where there was a suite of mannequins fitted with the heads of the Venus de Milo. What? Yes. That's insane. In Russell Square. A Brussels? No, no, a sorry, Brussels. Brussels. <laughs> I was thinking of Russell Square, and I was thinking, where would Russell Square? Would you ever? <laughs> Just in the windows of Sonnet House Library. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was thinking, why is that there? In Brussels, that makes a hundred percent more sense <laughs> than what I thought. <laughs> so I wow. haven't got as far as looking looking that up properly, obviously, but. Oh, but can I just while I think of it? So mm. That have you seen? You know the Palagalliere. I think it's shut right now. So they they do their beautiful somewhere else exhibitions. Oh yeah. And there's one on the backs, but on the back of dresses. Do you see what I mean? Like how? Oh really? The back of, in Brussels, we have to go, bitch. Oh, we have to. Oh, we definitely have to. I mean, it's not a choice. We have no, to. No, no, there is no, no. It's an imperative. Yeah, yeah. So I'll find out about that. Okay. We'll and I won't take you to Russell Square instead. <laughs> okay. It will genuinely be okay. Brussels. I'm. I'm. Wow. I keep thinking when. Um, I'll try and keep that. Keep keep it short. But when, when I was younger at my hometown, if you wanted to get rid of old furniture, there was a day a month where you could put them just outside your front door. Right. And so everyone would that evening when people were doing that, everyone would go around all the town that the whole town trying to see what other people had put out oh, funny. so one time I had to actually sit on a chest of drawers because my parents had to get a car and then someone took <laughs> one of the drawers out so we couldn't have the <gasps> chest of drawers and I was I like know. you know 12 or something I couldn't defend myself it was terrible that's and, so bad anyway we somehow I think as part of one of these excursions we got this big stack of magazines about window display and and that must have been from like thirties or forties or something, and I kept wow. them for absolutely ages, and then I just chucked them out, and I just oh my goodness, I've regretted that several times over the years. Yes. But yesterday I kept thinking, you idiot, you idiot, you should have kept those. Um, but magazines are tricky because you want to keep all of them, but they take up so much space and they're so heavy. No, it wasn't mannequins. It was actually magazines about. No, I said. Ma- did I say mannequins? Yeah. I meant magazines. Oh, magazines. magazines. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. yeah, exactly. And I, it, they were probably a bit damp as well and all that. But um, anyway, yeah. So, yeah, maybe we can try and go together. That would, be, that would be good. That would be good. Yeah. Yes, it would be very good. It sounds amazing. It, it is. sounds so rich. Because there's also, I was thinking, there's a really lovely um, chapter in Tag Gronberg's book on Paris on that's about the, the fashion and the mannequins, isn't there? Do you know it? No, I don't know it. It's really, really good. It's on the, the 20s ones in mm. the um, exhibition, ex- exposition. And it's really, really good about how they link sort of fine art. And, and also, I think in, I think it's right that in the 20s, they're more abstracted. But as you get into the 30s, they try and make them more and more realistic. Yeah, there was a... Maybe I'm imagining it maybe I, I i can't remember now whether it was in the exhibition or i just saw it online but there was a very i've seen some really realistically in inverted commas painted ones with beautiful makeup beautiful applied mm. makeup um, i mean it's interesting because it kind of mirrors trends in makeup because in the 20s makeup isn't so much trying to be naturalistic it's yeah. just 
it's artificial to put stuff on your face so you just make the most of it whereas the further you get into the 30s the more realistic it's trying to be that's true Mm. and um there's there's some when i was doing research on american fashion there's i can't remember the name of the maker but there's these they're called garba girls where they made mannequins which looked like socialites so Mm. apparently there were barbara hutton ones that had that were pigeon-toed because she was pigeon-toed. I don't know how she felt about being portrayed <laughs> like that. <laughs> so there's, like, funny pictures of, of, you know, like, sportswear shops with all these pigeon-toed mannequins. Interesting. So that's sort of, in a way, foreshadowing. They also had an Adele, Adele Rootstein mm. one in the exhibition as well. Elaine Page, I think. Um, oh how funny yeah i can't quite think who that who she is she i can't remember either but she's she's quite petite and so is the mannequin and i i didn't know they did that which is interesting well they do i know they did they've done loads of different models i mean like live models now as mannequins which is always quite eerie and uncanny i but um i didn't think though I hadn't thought this through. I sort of didn't think that they would do the figure as well. But then yeah. that, how, how else would I you do it? I suppose they have to. Yeah, yeah, how else would you do it? Mm. Yeah, but... And I wonder where they used those ones. Whether they... Where they used them. Like, what, yeah. did they, you know... Mm. Cause, because that's what I sometimes wonder when they do famous people as mannequins. Is it just a kind of publicity stunt thing? Or do they then go into a particular shop just for a certain amount of time or yeah and what I also find out with mannequins I found that sometimes with exhibition about one person's clothes when they it was it was mainly with royal clothes at Kensington Palace sometimes they had a whole room of Queen um, Mary's and whoa that must be very uncanny yes and I guess it's sort of similar if you have the a mannequin of a known person you have yes but I'm, I'm, I'm sure i must have seen images of twiggy mannequin like lots of them all together. yes definitely. But maybe not in a shop maybe more in the where they, they were stored i don't know yes yes i don't know anyway it, what yeah, have they're... you been up to well i've mainly been doing teachingy things mm-hmm. but the one thing i did want to mention to you is have you seen this this do you know the business of fashion yeah. has these voices conferences yes. where they have kind of various people speaking and did you see the one about cambridge analytica i just saw the headline but i haven't read right it. it's really i mean it's kind of it's horrifying but not surprising but you're also horrified but you're not surprised that as part of the you know that there's this man christopher wiley who is the speaker at business of fashion and he is the whistleblower who exposed that cambridge analytica was feeding information to trump's campaign and to sort of right wingers in america to talk how of how to target people who would be susceptible to 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 right-wing propaganda basically Mm -hmm. and he spoke about how they used fashion as one of the ways to do that and this was all without permission so it was using algorithms to search facebook for people's likes and he said that wiley the man who spoke about this said that fashion and music were the two best indicators about people's personalities, about their politics, about everything, which makes perfect sense because 
they're so personal and they reflect things both that you consciously want to give away but also that you don't think you're giving away but you actually are Mm. so the kind of stuff that keeps being reported in the papers is for example that people who liked and followed Wrangler for example and L.L. Bean they thought would be more likely to be open to right-wing political stuff because them it they're they're kind of brands that are based on kind of Americana. Oh yeah. Mm. And are quite kind of conservative with a small C. Whereas if you like Kenzo or you like um Alexander McQueen, then you're less likely to be susceptible. And it's interesting because they broke people down into I think five different personality types, which it's they're so kind of prejudiced even just how they express it because for example openness is a personality type and that's associated with ll bean meaning you're open to to right wing because when i read that i was thinking oh yeah that's the opposite of being open but that's because i'm not right wing i'm one of the kenzo people who wouldn't be susceptible um so that it's really interesting because you can see the kind of prejudice built into the way they're thinking about personality types Mm. Yeah. And the way that they're targeting. And also that it would be interesting to kind of get a deeper sense of like who were the people linking fashion brands to personality types and then to politics. And is it just at the level, because it's also kind of revealing that it's all cheaper brands. It's like mass market brands versus designer that they've given examples of ah interesting Mm. and and that may be too broad brush you know it may well be but you know there are there are high fashion brands which i don't want to really mention in this context Mm. but there are high fashion brands that are also built on americana true but would Mm. those people people who buy them or like them would they also be seen as open to Mm. right-wing propaganda you know how much is this also about income true level or aspirations Mm. Mm. i wonder but i mean it's it's obviously it's just completely disgusting that they were taking people's data without permission and that they were using it like this but i'm kind of not surprised because it's so sort of nefarious this whole Mm. regime um but it's also you know like the new york times have kind of linked it as well to like the charlottesville you know in charlottesville when oh yes the, when the right wingers were wearing white polo shirts and chinos mm. and again mass market things which are the most anonymous form of clothing possible and you would not notice people wearing those things because they're so drab and every day but you put a lot of people in them and suddenly it becomes this uniform that's menacing Mm. so it it's interesting i mean as i say it's kind of disgusting because of the politics it's linked to and because it's mining information that people aren't giving willingly or freely um but it's also this way of it's like taking the sort of brand research that a that a particular label does and kind of turning it on its head in a way i think in the way that it's being used i find um what it makes me think of is and again it's not fully thought through but partly that it's so predictable that it's somehow Mm. that's i find that somehow frustrating but i guess 
I guess it is. And you mean predictable they would use the information or predictable no, they No, predictable that, that it actually does correlate in a way. Yeah. I mean, it, maybe it's like it doesn't. The, maybe that's, yeah. Maybe, maybe I mean, it's very it. broad brush, mm. obviously. And it would be interesting. Did they just, would they just go after someone who liked L.L. Bean? Or would they also have to like three other things yeah. that were signifying right wing leanings potentially you know because he's just talking about fashion and as i say i mean i haven't heard the talk but the headlines it's always just ll bean versus kenzo for example mm -hmm. and you think those are two such diverse brands in you know in price point in accessibility in, in kind of everything but but it would be interesting to know is it more granular than that yeah. can they were they actually distinguishing between denim brands for example were they you know is levi's one politics and wrangler and do you see what i yeah, mean yeah. It's, like mm. it's very very broad brush yeah. and obviously people love it i love it as a headline i don't mean they love it as a process they mm. totally don't but because it's kind of implicating fashion within this political sort of minefield and 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 i mean that's our you know a big part of our job is knowing that fashion really does signify mm. people's beliefs and values and everything else. But yes, I do wonder how how nuanced it is, and how also we don't know how effective it was. I mean, yeah, obviously, exactly. we know Trump got in. We know mm. that that happened. But you know, how how much were they successfully targeting? the right people through this mm. propaganda method. I mean, the man speaking, the whistleblower man, he says that it, it's kind of exposing fashion and showing that fashion brands need to be more diverse so they're not... Yeah. They can't be read this way. I don't think that would work, though, because I, I don't know. The other thing it made me think of was how sometimes I like something aesthetically... But I would not ever buy anything from that brand. Well, that's yeah, that's the other thing that it can. But but then is that some you know deep down belief of yours? You know, it's. I I mean I think it yeah I think it is also that brands are always going to distinguish between yeah, each other. That's what yeah. Obviously, they should all be diverse in their representation of different types of people. Mm. But there's always going to be some with a more expensive and some which are more avant-garde and mm. some which are more conservative, again, with a small C, not linked to politics. So I think even with diversity of representation, there's the potential. I mean, unfortunately, there's the potential for any personal information to be misused. Yeah. Mm. You know, and because something like Facebook mines so much information if people are given access to that they can use it in really bad ways but like so, you say it would be really interesting to to know how effective it actually was yes yeah because mm. obviously as i say was this you know fashion wasn't used in isolation it may be a very yeah. effective way because it's so personal to you but was it you know i i would be surprised if it was if that was the only signifier. Mm. So what are the other things that you use in relation to that yeah. to distinguish between these personality types? As I say, the personality types are really kind of euphemistic <laughs> and clearly biased towards seeing right-wingness as a, you know, as a open thing. thing. Yeah. 
but yes how is it used and and also is this the first time this has been done i mean okay as far as we know it's the first time facebook's been used in this way but this is the first time it's been exposed Mm. but has it been used in other ways before Mm. because i'm sure like even people handing out leaflets on the street make snap judgments subconsciously about whether this person will take a republican or a democrat leaflet for example so is it like a really advanced digital version of that yeah i wonder it sort of reminds me also about of targeted ads Mm. which i mean they're usually what you've looked up earlier but i guess you could also then put in some others well Um, yes because if it's like they sort of think it well if you'd like those brands Mm. This other one is similar, so you're maybe like that. Mm. It's also no. what, what you said about sort of Americana also. I guess it's, a yeah, it's sort of building you, alluding to the sort of heritage of um, mm. history of America, but it's a particular history. Yes, it's... but it's also, it's... Like, L.L. Bean isn't even... I mean, I don't want to insult L.L. Yeah. Bean. I know nothing about L.L. Bean. But it's not fashion as we know it. Yeah, it's, no. It's it's like mainstream clothes for people who need clothes to put that, on. And there are true. some, like, iconic things, like the duck boots that people know about. But essentially, it's not for people who are, like, super into fashion. Yeah. You know, and... The denim brands they list are not ones for people with who are super into fashion. So it's kind of it's all again we need more information. But it it's like fashion. Fashion means not open in their terming yes. of open, mm. and non-fashion clothes mm. means open. But it it can't be as kind of clumsy no. as that, or maybe it, it is. I don't know. Yeah, be interesting when they put them online they usually put them on a linus podcast yes yeah we'll have to listen to it yeah yeah because i was also thinking it it's like you could almost do it by by saying what's the demographic of people who shop at ll bean versus kenzo like which parts of america are they from like which states shop most heavily yeah where can you kenzo must be such a tiny brand in comparison to ll Bean. yeah in the states mm. i don't know that, whether there's any overlap um no that's what i mean that the, mm. the, the examples that the press have picked up on are so diametrically opposed that you feel someone with no, very little knowledge of fashion could have told you which yeah. was which yes mm. you know you don't need to mine people's personal yeah. information for that so yes so my headline is this is all very bad Fashion does tell you things. Don't misuse it. Yeah. Okay. Don't use your knowledge for evil. Okay. That's that's. Okay. A I know very... you would never do that. No, but that's a very good note to end on. <laughs> that's my telephone sign off for today. Yeah, and I applaud Coda, who's been behaving. He's been I'm... so good. He did grumble a bit at one point, but he's I didn't he's been very that. good. I didn't hear that. No, he's yes. Well done, Coda. Yes. Yes. All right, well, I'll talk to you next week then. Yeah, talk to you next week. Bye. Bye, bye.